Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Alpha Podcast. We are your hosts, Arjun Puri and... Richard Hartness. All right. So lots has happened in the week of technology, or in the world of technology over the past couple of weeks. Um, WWDC, Google, some security issues, new versions of the S7, Pebbles released some new smartwatches. Uh, lots to talk about. Um, Richard, how are you feeling today, man? I'm good. It's a it's a bit of a bit of a sad day over in here in the UK, as far as I'm concerned, because uh, we've we've voted to leave Europe. So it's it's a, it's been a bit of a, a tumultuous day here uh, for us. So yeah, definitely lots of up and downs today. The media is covering the um, the referendum uh, left, right, and center, and uh, seems like there's a big disappointment for some. Uh, some particularly don't care, and a lot don't even understand what happened. Yeah, <laughs> there's actually there's actually people um, on in the media today that were talking to the press and they were like, "Oh yeah, if I could do it again, I'd actually vote to to remain." I didn't really realize that my vote meant anything. Oh my god! And you're like, "Oh come on!" And you, and we let people like that vote, you know. <laughs> That's insane. But there you go. The the country has spoken. Nothing we could do about it now. We can watch the economy collapse for a while. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to pull ourselves back up again. Uh, yeah, and it's a good thing we're not a, a politics talk. Uh, good thing yeah. we're a tech talk, because exactly. uh, I think if it came down to it, I don't think we could uh, break down the politics of it, even if we wanted to. <laughs> well, I don't think many people can. And I'm much, I'm much happier talking about tech, because that makes me happy. So Same here. So let's, uh, let's kick it off with uh, WWDC. Um, for those who don't know, WWDC is Apple's worldwide developer conference. It's where they traditionally talk uh, primarily about software, focus on software iterations uh, throughout the whole Apple ecosystem, whether that means OS X. Um, oh, OS X is now called Mac OS, by the way. Yep. Um, iOS. So they're, they're trying to put everything in line. So iOS, Watch OS, and Mac OS. It's much better. It is. I, I've actually always had a, a bit of a beef with OS X. Um, it always seems like Linux OS, right? And they kind of adapted that over and they said, we're not keeping the Linux aspect of it. We're just going to change it over to OS X. Um, so that, that's worked for them for, for quite some time. But in terms of fragmentation and keeping in line with a particular brand strategy, I think OS, uh, Mac OS works particularly well. Yeah, it, it's much better. And and the fact that, the, you know, we've been on uh, 10 dot whatever iterations forever, you mm-hmm. know, it's just it's time to move on um, just just call it Mac OS and then and then a name for it. So. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Uh, I'm really pleased with that. Yeah, same here. But, um, you know, uh, traditionally, like I said, although Apple tends to do majority um, of the time uh, just software announcements, um, every now and then they sneak in a piece of hardware, um, you know, another one of those, uh, and there's one more thing that we'd like to talk to you about. Um, Not not this year. Not not in in terms of hardware this year. Um, They they put out a bunch of stuff in terms of software, and let's talk about it. Let's uh, kind of break it down for you. Um, Richard, what did you feel? Like, I mean, what were you, what were you thinking about the announcements and maybe talk about a couple, highlight a few? Um, I, 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 I watched the whole thing. Um, I didn't get to watch it live. I never can because I'm usually at work when it, when it's on. So I watched it once, once it comes back on, uh, on Apple's website, um, which you can go and watch it, um, apple.com forward slash events, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And if you have an Apple TV, you can even watch it there. Yeah. Um, which is a really nice experience, actually. I used to do that when I had an, had an Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, overall, um, I really enjoyed it, personally. Um, 
you know, even though there was no hardware, but I, I, th- I went into it thinking, I don't think we're going to get any this year. Right. Um, there was, there was the, just the general rumours were that there was none coming, um, and, and getting a, a, Mac, a new MacBook Pro was probably the, the stretch goal, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we didn't get it. So, um, And God, they had so much to cover. They had so much to get through in it. A um, lot, a lot of different software changes. And I mean, yeah. you know, we're at a point where now the the changes to the software aren't major anymore we're not talking about a whole redesign of a user interface we're not talking about massive massive additions to feature sets we're talking about small refinements uh, it's more about a lot of changes under the hood that are making the user experience better for you yeah absolutely and and in a sense um I was kind of surprised by how much they had in, in a way you know you would think there's not that much more you can do now but they just, you know, had all sorts of things. So I think we kicked off with uh, WatchOS 3. Mm-hmm. The, uh, that, there was a lot of significant changes there, which uh, will pr- uh, please a lot of Apple Watch owners. Uh, and they've obviously listened carefully as to what people's main gripes with, with the watch were. So right. uh, significant speed bump um, in, in, in overall performance mm-hmm. um, and, and launching apps uh, which was just painfully slow to the point that most people didn't bother to launch any mm-hmm. um, and just use whatever stock things was on the watch uh, you've got now you've got rid you've got a dock now um, for I can't remember how many maybe 10 your 10 most favorite um, apps that you use a, a handful it, that's that's what I remember I, I don't remember if there was a number but um, you know the, the fact that you mentioned that apps are launching significantly faster you're absolutely right so the applications that used to take, you know, five or six seconds to load up, curate, yeah. and finally start showing you information are now yeah. going to be able to launch instantly. And Apple did a demo on stage with it. But, you know, what they didn't cover on stage was um, that the apps are actually being committed to memory. Yeah. Um, so that means that only a handful of apps, so the, what, whichever ones are saved to your dock, are the ones that are able to be launched instantly. Yeah. So the rest of the apps that you maybe might not use all the time, um, the loading times for those will be the same. But at least Apple is bringing WatchOS uh, 3 to the first Apple Watch and still caring about their original customers who started and invested in the watch. Well, I, I'm not so sure whether the loading times for the other ones will be exactly the same. It'll not be, not be instant like the ones in the dock are, but I think... My understanding is there's across the board um, speed improvements. Uh, a lot of people who are using the the, the beta of WatchOS 3 are, mm-hmm. are reporting just how snappy it is. So, um, Well, that's great news for people who have the Apple Watch. I know personally I've got a couple of friends who, who've switched over to iOS only because they have an Apple Watch. Yeah. Um, so I think... I think to be honest with you, uh, even though Android Wear can do a lot, I think uh, Apple's got the idea right where they're where they're looking at really quick interactions with the watch because they know that it's not something that people like to interact with on, at a large scale uh, time. For, yeah, for a long period. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so you got your dock. You've you've lost the um, the quick con uh, the contacts thing, which apparently nobody ever used anyway. No. So um, you've got the new breathing app, which uh, teaches yeah. you how to breathe in case you forget. But you know what, though, uh, Arjun, a lot of people poo-pooed that, and <laughs> and I thought, well, that it might actually, well, it time only time will tell, but mm-hmm. it might actually have significant health benefits to that because it is true most people are completely stressed out all the time, mm-hmm. um, and 
you, you can set the period of time yourself for how long you want to do it for. So even if you just want to do a minute or two of, of deep breathing exercises, that might just be enough to, to, to chill you out a bit and stop you, you know, going mental at some point in the day, you know. Yeah, you know what? I, I think I think I'll take that comment that I had made back, you know, um, being in the public health uh, field, I, I completely understand the uh, the impact of stress in our lives. And, uh, you know, it, it, although we might not understand it or what, might not realize it, but our generation is by far the most stress generation there ever has been in history. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our, our, um, our cortisol levels are really high. Um, and uh, you know what, maybe it could help. Um, I, I think everyone is trying to get into the whole meditation aspect of, uh, of health now too. So this, this yep. could be a, a good thing. And, and, and even if it's a gateway thing that gets, you know, gets people doing, uh, you know, more formal meditation on a regular basis, there is absolutely no harm in that whatsoever, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so some other features that uh, they talked about with the uh, watchOS was that new SOS feature. Uh, apparently, it's not available in beta yet. Uh, basically, the, the home button that you press at, on the side of your watch, uh, if you press and hold it, uh, and you've got a pre-programmed emergency contact, uh, the SOS yep. feature will contact them. Um, so small refinements under the hood as well. There's some new um, options to be able to do quick reply. Um, and on your keyboard, you can now scribble. Uh, so like kind of draw with your finger to write out replies. Um, the, the neat thing, neat thing about that is because I've seen the one that it, that you get on Android Wear, um, and as far as I remember, you, you write the letter, and then you have to w- wait a bit for it to scroll along, and then write write the next one. Was I'll confess, that? my uh, my Moto three hundred and sixty hasn't been worn in the last three months. It just sits uh-huh. on my desk as a and as an alarm clock. I could be wrong, but I think that I think that's how it works, and. and but with this one, you just you literally can just write one letter on top of another on top of another. So it, it's turning it into text pretty quickly. Um, so definitely a good intuitive way for you to be able to interact quickly if, if you need to, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not sure how many people reply to text messages on their watches anyways. Um, I was one of the people that picked up a smartwatch simply because... I was getting annoyed by the fact that when I'm in the middle of a meeting, my phone would go off to let me know that I've got a next appointment coming up and I'd have to pull out my phone to figure out what that was. Yeah. So you, I like you, being able to see that on the watch. You don't know what, what that buzz is for, do you? You don't know whether it's a message from someone or something from your calendar or... So, yeah, just being able to quickly look at it. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I, I mean, I do... I, I, <laughs> I ca- I can now finally do some replies from from my Pebble Watch on <laughs> iOS. They've just recently updated it. That's great. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Uh, uh, so I can do that, uh, and and I find the quick replies really handy. You know, just a, qu- a quick okay, yes, see you soon. You know, it, it covers a large variety of of things that you need to do. Um, so so there is a. I wouldn't say I'd necessarily instigate. Um, anything on the watch you know like start a conversation or anything like that but it's um it's quite it's good for quick replies i think so it it's it's watch os 3 is definitely looking promising um it made me spit my dummy out a bit because i'm still waiting for for the apple watch 2 um and yeah and i think everyone is um uh, there's obviously a huge uh, change in hardware that's coming and you know we, we've talked about how smartphones oh, sorry smartwatch sales have slowed down significantly over the past year um and you know whether that's because of hardware whether that's because of software or whether that's just because uh, the usage case scenarios are just not there we don't quite know but i think everyone and i i i think 
all of the tech journalists are very, very interested in finding out what Apple's new iteration of the watch will be. Yeah. Uh, so, where are we? So we've done watch, and then um, I think we did talk about did, iOS if you want. Yeah, there was there was Apple there was Apple TV. What did they call that one? I think it's called T- TVOS. TVOS, that's it, yeah, isn't it? But th- that was, um, yeah, nothing, nothing exciting there. Yeah, I uh, mean, for people who are looking to interact with their TV, again, the the idea there is very straightforward. Apple is really looking to invest and get some, um, I guess, get some revenue out of their, their TV and uh, cable uh, contracts, uh, which they've spent a lot of money on over the last couple of years. Um, yeah. But, but the the concept is the same you're interacting with the os in the tv uh, or apple tv very shortly uh, the point is just to be able to consume content um so although they've done a lot in terms of uh, you know including some new interface um, features like uh, uh, making a dark mode uh, easier to input text now and you can start automatically downloading universal apps and whatnot um i wasn't particularly excited by it um the one thing that did excite me by it was the fact that they are now thinking that they're not necessarily going to require um controllers uh for a all games but they are going to start necessitate necessitating controllers for some games yeah which would be but if they do do that it'll turn into a more more significant gaming system because the fact that you had to support the apple remote was a, a big Im- impediment as far as i understand right and in true apple fashion you know they're they're really trying to control the ecosystem a little bit more and put down some regulations and some guidelines so that developers aren't just kind of doing whatever the heck they want yeah and then that's good for us so that was that um um i ios 10 was probably the the biggest part of the keynote and, and a lot of changes uh coming there mm-hmm. um the things that I the thing the main thing to take away from from the iOS ten part of it is that how much they're opening up iOS ten to de, to developers by um, rele- releasing um, various kits to, um, to to developers to use uh, the, the APIs. So Siri is going to be much more prominent, um, and there's now going to be a Siri API uh, coming out as well. Uh, there's going to be a messages API um, for the new messages app, which is just, I was really just like, wow, they've, they've to- totally um, revamped the messages app com- completely. Uh, it does so much more now and it's more more in keeping with sort of like your WhatsApp and Snapchat and things like that with all the various yeah, and, and, and with the Siri things. SDK, you know, we, we can really expect developers to take advantage of um, of Siri to to do more functionality that um, yeah. you know we haven't had in the past. Um, I think I think the idea there is really to bring it up to features like uh, Cortana and Android's um, Google Now. Yeah. Um, just because they're more contextually aware doesn't necessarily mean that they're better at performing tasks that you need them to perform on a daily basis. So I think I think Siri is heading in the right direction. Um, you know, on the topic of Apple opening up, wow. I mean, I was not at all expecting that all of these core applications would be opened up to developers. That's crazy. That's uh, unprecedented. You know, I was like, what? It's, it, it was more... Now, granted, it's at the opening up, but I still think it's going to be much, still pretty well controlled. Um, 
the, the, I think the way they do their APIs, it's still limited. Um, but well, I think that's the thing, right? Like they've they've spent the last but I, but I want, ten years I, or so yeah, closing want, down the ecosystem, making it stable. And I think what they'll probably do is make it almost like a sandbox, right? Yeah, I want that. I, if they're going to add all this stuff in, I do not want developers screwing up core functionality on the phone. Yeah, uh, fair enough. You know, I want I want the apps. I want like messages to be rock solid. I don't want whatever a developer decides to do with it to to mess with that experience. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And and I, I mean that's what the attractive part about Apple's ecosystem is in the first place in my opinion, right? You've yeah. got the the closed down ecosystem which is the downside, but on the other hand, it is stable and it does not crash as often and it does not consume as much battery as the Android counterparts do. Yep. So that, that's all good, good and well opening it, but I hope they don't ruin the experience in the process of doing so. Um, well, the other thing that, um, I mean, they, they also brought in a few things that we've seen on Android before, like um, Raise to Wake, which will mm-hmm. be a nice feature. Um, touch IDs becoming more of a prominent part of, of the um of iOS as well, so that's good. Yeah, uh, and the discussion uh, with Touch ID there is that a lot of rumors are going around that they're going to eliminate a physical home button because it's one of the most failed um, hardware peripherals or hardware functions of the iPhone. Yeah. Um, so they're talking about implementing a uh, similar uh, iteration like the HTC 10 has or the uh, OnePlus 3 or the OnePlus 2 have had in the past where it's a physical button or like a more of like a uh, not a physical button i would say it's like a little spot where there's no tactile feedback but when you press on it it acts like a home button yeah yeah Um, but there's discussions about how that they would kind of implement that in terms of uh, you know the double taps and the the press and hold Um, so that that'll be uh, you know that that i think this is um the the segue to that change eventually they could put the um they could put the taptic engine in there yeah and then it would feel like a physical click. Oh, that's very smart. I but didn't even think of that. That's the first time I've thought of it. And if you, if you, if that's what happens, that you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, patent pending. Richard Harkness and yeah. Arjun Puri, just because I was here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, but yeah, lots has been redesigned. The Maps application has been redesigned. Apple Music has been redesigned. Uh, so lots more to come. Uh, but again, not huge, huge changes that you would kind of notice right away. It's it's small refinements, redesign lock screen, you know, more 3D touch uh, throughout the ecosystem and throughout yeah. iOS 10 um, and a couple of small features. I think uh, I think it's the the opening up of iOS that's the the big that was the big change and and I think I'm hoping that with them giving the Siri uh, um, API out that more people will now start to use it because that will then improve uh, the accuracy and the ability of Siri as well so it'll kind of hopefully be a bit of a positive feedback loop. Yeah, and you know that's a that's a perfect segue into the next OS that we should be talking about, which is Mac OS. And uh, Siri is now integrated within Mac OS Sierra. That is the yep. new version of Mac OS, and uh, Apple's bringing the personal assistant to Mac OS for the first time. Um, yep. And it's got uh, a lot of the functionality that iOS has, but also very specific functionality that would be limited to the Mac itself, uh, like being able to search through documents uh, or being able to pin results or um, being able to do uh, photo lookups, uh, stuff like that. So that's something that's not 
been traditionally available um, on the iPhone, presumably because of um, the the impact on battery life and uh, on on device calculations. Hmm. Um, so on macOS, they've also talked a little bit about uh, being able to do, you know, refinements like we talked about, bigger emojis, uh, being able to do new stuff with Apple Music. Uh, there's a new function called Auto Unlock, which will be kind of paired up with Apple Watch users and iOS users. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it seems like with macOS, Apple is really starting to reach into the the AI stuff a little bit more and trying out yeah. new uh, learning algorithms. Um, so there's some data mining going on in the background there. I mean, the, one of the examples they give on, on stage, because at first I was like, I'm not really sure that I want, you know, Siri on, on the Mac. I'm mm-hmm. not 100% on that. But when he sort of did the, you know, show, show me the file I was working on last Tuesday with um, John by email. I was like, yeah, I could totally do with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's with the natural interaction, right? Yeah, that's the way your brain works. So right, you're, you're not going to tell the computer, well search for or you're not going to tell yourself search for file between the date of x and x between this and this time from this and this contact and i mean we're talking about accessing yeah. a database which siri is basically doing intelligently yeah so that, that just in terms of finding your files is going to be uh, good and, and probably showing your photographs and, and all sorts of things so it'll, it'll be an there'll be a, a, a period of adoption i think for what to get used to the idea of talking to the computer more but um, i don't know richard i'm really afraid i'm afraid because i have a feeling that there's going to be some background listening going on with siri and in front of my laptop that's not something that i want because on my laptop which is encrypted end to end and all my backups which are encrypted end to end there's a lot of confidential information Mm. and there's i say a lot of confidential things in front of my laptop which i wouldn't want anybody listening to but you've got to remember that, that um, Siri works on device. It's not sending that data to the cloud. Yeah, but imagine... Okay, so I agree with you there. I mean, that that's a good security mechanism that's in place. But now imagine someone steals my laptop. And if they're mm-hmm. able to break that encryption, now they've got all this voice information. Right. I mean, I'm not sure. To be honest, I think I think I'm being a bit of a paranoid person right now, just because I'm not <laughs> sure exactly how it works. Um, and and you you know why we had an offline discussion about how Google's handling their security and history things, and both Richard and I have been a little bit off put by that. But we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, yeah. Let's let's finish off with uh, WWDC. Um, I think I think that's majority of it. Uh, you know, small. Changes under the hood, uh, small, meaningful changes under the hood, let me say. Um, in macOS, you've also now got picture-in-picture multitasking, uh, so you can technically watch a video while doing other things. So th- this is something that Apple, in my opinion, didn't handle perfectly. You know how you can do snapping the windows to each side in, yeah. in macOS? Uh, but when you do that, you can't have anything else on top of your display. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think they're refining that a bit, maybe taking a, a page out of Windows book and allowing you to kind of snap items and then put tabs on top or put tabs everywhere. Actually, that we forgot to mention one of the main things, tabs all around the OS. Yeah. Tabs Everything's everywhere. got tabs. Um, so you can open up a tab in absolutely anything, which I think is just going to make everything very, very cluttered. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. I was like, I'm not sure I'm so keen on that, really. It sounds like it's going to be a total mess. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. So, I mean, we'll see We'll see how the, uh, you know, the betas play out. And um, for those who are interested in signing up for the beta, Apple will eventually release an open beta to the public so that you can try out these features uh, before they come out to everyone else. Uh, so go to Apple's website and sign up for those. Um, but uh, I guess... I guess the one thing that I did want to ask you, Richard, because I wasn't completely, you know, tapped into the WWDC conference. Um, what did they say about iPads and, and, you know, the future of the tablet? Because, you know, from what we know and we have known for some for some time now is that iPad and tablet sales have slowed down considerably. Mm. Right. Uh, huge, there, huge, huge, huge slowdowns. Yeah, there was there was no mention particularly of that. Um you know, they were just talking about iOS in, in general. Uh, well, they talked uh, a little bit about iPad and education and how they're going to start, you know, allowing these new um, sandbox applications for development. Yeah. They? Um, which, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure how many people that's going to involve, quite honestly. Um, probably every school in San Francisco will be doing it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Outside cool. of San Fran, nowhere to be found. Yeah, yeah, I suspect that there'll be a bit of an element of that going on. But you know what? I, I am happy about the direction Apple is taking it. You know, they've, yeah. they've tried to put this out as an educational device first oh, and good. foremost now, and it, it, it works. I mean, it's not a super heavy cost device. It is relatively powerful. And yep. uh, if they're going to push their own system with it, I mean, it's the best way to do it, right? They're, they're yeah. saying they're doing it for the greater good of, of the public and society, but really what they're doing is they're trying to ramp up sales. Yeah, and get get more coders working within their their ecosystem. Exactly. So, so I, I think there's a there's some hidden motivations there, but um, overall, it might help out, might not. Um, but apart from that, there wasn't much discussion about the iPad. Um, but on the personal front, uh, Richard has something to say about the iPad, don't you, Richard? Oh yeah, I I got the uh, the new iPad nine point seven inch uh, Pro, the baby Pro. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you, have you got an iPhone 6S that you're using as a daily driver? Yeah. Do you wish that the iPad had touch, uh, sorry, 3D touch? I haven't missed it. Do you ever accidentally try to interact with the iPad the same way you would with the iPhone? Nope. Okay. Because I, 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 I've got 3D touch on, 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 the, on the phone, obviously, and I can't honestly say that it's something that I ever really use. And... I know it's there, but every time, like, you know how you can do a forced touch and, and send a tweet and things like that? Mm-hmm. I, I always end up just opening Twitter and, and tweeting. I haven't got into the habit of doing it. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of discussion about that in the tech world, too. You know, that the 3D touch was just kind of like a small double click or a, a right click feature, which Android has had for years now. Yeah. Um, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what it is. I think it's the fact that you... Not everything supports it, therefore you have to have memory as to which ones do, and right. that's not and that's not easy because it's it's actually only a small percentage that actually do. So right, and you know Apple has always had this idea that they want the applications to be the forefront of their OS, right? Which is yep. why they don't have an app drawer, which is why they don't necessarily have widgets. They want to say, look, this is a phone, it is a tool, it is there for productivity, and it is there to put you in touch with the people that you care about. So when you open up the screen, all they want to show you is the applications. Now, to me, it's almost like a a departure from that idea where you have to kind of click on that particular application and get to a quick shortcut. Apple's Mm -hmm. never been about that in the past. Um, And, you know, I think developers have taken that in mind and not all of the developers are on board with 3D Touch. A lot of them are. 
mm. but a lot of them aren't. You know, I thought the biggest biggest use of 3D Touch would have been in gaming. Um, but unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity to test it because I switched from iOS to Android just a couple of months ago, maybe six or seven months ago. And mm. to be honest, I, I've been relatively happy. Um, but tell me, tell me about the iPad. Like, I mean, in terms of, uh, and you've used a, a regular iPad in the past, am I right? Yeah, the last one that I got was the original. Yeah, the original iPad Air. Um, okay. So, I mean, the, the first thing that that I. Uh, that I noticed moving across was was getting Touch ID on the iPad was just awesome. Um, I absolutely love that feature so much, um, okay. and it's made a big difference to me as well. Because recently I've gone I've gone all in on using One Password. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got mega secure passwords across all across everything now. I've just r- completely randomized all my passwords. Um, I've got two fa- two factor authentication everywhere that you can possibly have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and but in order to do that, Touch ID makes that massively more um, bearable. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's quick, right? All you've got to do is put down your thumb. Yep, but and and because you've got because you've got your finger um, unlock on one password rather than typing in one a long complex password to get into one password, um, it makes that whole process just so much more streamlined and simple. And obviously, with apps, once you're logged in, you're logged in, aren't you? So, right. Um, th- that's that's the beauty of it. So, I'm absolutely loving having Touch ID on on my iPad. Um, that's a brilliant thing. Um, screen is absolutely beautiful. I love it. Um, but there nice there isn't a significant difference in between the screens uh, from the Air to the Pro, right? No, particularly. There's less glare, and okay. and and I would agree, and I would say that is a thing. I, I don't think it's a gimmick. I think it is um, definitely got less glare to it. The uh, and now, bear in mind, I'm comparing this against my, um, which was the last tablet I had, the NVIDIA Shield. Mm-hmm. I mean, the color color range and contrast is just lovely. Um, it's, yeah, it's go- the Shield had a very display. washed out display. Yeah, it's a gorgeous display, the iPad display. Um, and the speakers are oh, fab. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it always helps having four speakers in a tablet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was one it was one of the things that one of the reasons I went with the Nvidia Shield was to get better speakers because um, mm-hmm. I, I, when you're watching multimedia stuff it's important um, and the, the old iPad just had awful speakers so did the iPhones and well the iPhone still does have awful awful speakers really uh, I, I don't know I love the old iPad speakers I mean the, the the iPad Air was really really thin and I had it for about four or five months before I decided I don't need this thing um, yeah. and but like. I always thought the speakers were phenomenal. Yeah, well, I don't think so. Um, but 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 with this, they are great. Um, it's okay. a really lovely me- media experience to to watch stuff on. Well, I mean, of so course, I mean you're you're comparing one speaker in the air to to going three times as much in you know in in the iPad Pro, and obviously that's going to have a good tangible benefit. Um, and it's going to make that user experience that much better. But in my opinion, or not my opinion, but my question to you would be, is it worth it? Is it worth it for the average user to upgrade from their iPad Air to the iPad Pro if all they're doing is apps? If you've got, if you've got the iPad Air, mm-hmm. which, which are mine, which doesn't have Touch ID, then yes. I, th- I think to get Touch ID, this better display and these um, awesome speakers, uh, and, and good God, it's fast. <laughs> it just everything just flies on it right so, and that architecture and that in that new chip is is just amazing um yep. 
But, you know, I think I think that's where you and I would differ here, where, you know, you appreciate those changes um, for someone like me uh, who and I've got a, a Sony Xperia Z3 compact now. Um, mm-hmm. the LTE version so that way if I need to take it out on the road I can pop a SIM card in there really quickly mm. um, I just find that the utility that I get out of these these devices isn't very high um, mm. and what I mean to say is when I need to do stuff mobile I use my phone mm-hmm. when I need to do stuff that's professional I use my laptop mm-hmm. or my computer um, mm. the tablet has just become a consumption device for me and yeah. for something that I just watch TV on or I just read books on um, mm. To me, it's not worth spending that much more. Like, I don't even keep personal information on the tablet as much as I do on my phone and my laptop. So yeah. I don't even feel compelled to lock it down. Yeah. Um, so I mean, to each their own. There, right? I think I think we've got different requirements. Um, yeah. But I think I think what's happened in in the world of tablets is the reason that, that the sales have slowed down and people aren't buying new tablets is is the same thing that it's it's primarily a consumption device for the majority of people. Mm. Um, and because of that, they don't need, they don't necessarily need, you know, um, a two second increase in an application launching, um, or it's not as meaningful to them. And when you're spending, you know, 700 bucks on an iPad pro, I mean, you know, I think if I had a, if I had one of the, the newer ones, um, what was it? Was the iPad air two the last one that they did? Yeah, I believe so. Because I might, I might not have done that um you know i might not have made that jump but um and, and the fact that also the fact that i never get to touch my ipads anymore because my kids have taken over them so <laughs> uh, dad wanted one that was dad's and nobody else was getting their hands on it <laughs> and the fact that it's locked down with my fingerprint means nobody else is getting in <laughs> so that's, that's that is the beauty of it but so richard also, you're, you're setting a bad example for all the tech users out there and all the kids you're, you're telling them not to share their tech yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, what? No, but it, it, it's nice. It's nice to have that personal feeling. And I think a lot of us feel that way with our phones. Um, so why not our tablets, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 could, I could have resold them, I suppose. But at the end of the day, the, the, like I say, the children are using them. And, the, and they're happy with, with what they've got. And, and you don't get that great a resale value anyway. So... I'd rather, may as well just keep using them until they die, basically. Yeah, I think that's a good a good approach to it now. Yeah. Um, okay, but I think I think that wraps up uh, iPads and the some somewhat of a future of tablets, I guess. Um, yep. What I was really excited to talk to our audience about today was uh, Google and what they're doing, or what they what they've revealed to the public. Mm. Um, Do tell me more. So, whoever wants to follow along. Um, just, just go into your web browser, your favorite web browser, um, <coughs> not Chrome, <coughs> um, <laughs> go, go into your favorite web browser and just go to history.google.com and, uh, you'll be prompted to log in with your, your own account information there that your Gmail account information. And the first thing you'll see is, uh, what you've been searching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give you my breakdown. Um, I've got my top search clicks are, uh, uwaterloo.ca, the university I attend, uh, XDA mm-hmm. forums, uh, Ontario provincial parks, and uh, SPSS, which I've been using a lot over the past little while. Um, but as you start perusing throughout the Google history kind of um, dashboard, what you find is that not only is it keeping, not as only is Google keeping track of your web and click activity, but they're also keeping track of your voice and audio activity. 
So when I say things like, when did Captain America Civil War come out? Google records that and retains it to help their, I guess, artificial intelligence system so that they can recognize my voice better the next time around. Mm -hmm. Great. Awesome feature for Google. But what if someone gets a hold of all this information? Yeah. Right. We've got your voice recorded, right? We've got your click and search history recorded. You've got your location history, which includes absolutely every place that you've been to over the last, I think mine goes back as, uh, as far as 2009 mm-hmm. since I've been using Android. And Dear God. you can go to a map where your location is being tracked from place to place. Mm. I got scared. Yeah. I was really, really afraid not because I, I don't want Google to have this information. I was comfortable knowing that Google is taking this information. But when I found out the amount of information that Google is saving, the, 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 the volume of what they have, mm-hmm. I went into a paranoid stink. And what I did was I deleted Chrome. Mm-hmm. I deleted Hangouts. I mm-hmm. stopped using Google Voice Search. I stopped using Google Now. And mm-hmm. I stopped using Google Maps. Mm. Um, now some of some of some of the audience members might say, "Well, who cares if they've got this information?" And I, I personally, I don't care if they've got it. But if history has told us anything, is that no tech company is uh, you know impervious to a hack. Yeah. All of our credit card information is now out there because of uh, Home Depot, thanks to LinkedIn. A lot of all of my professional information is out there. You know, Target was hit. Um, Home Depot was hit a little while ago. There's so many, so many different tech companies and retailers have been hit for our information. Who is to say that one day Google won't be hit? Oh, well, people must be trying to to hack Google constantly. Right? And and must be bombarded by hackers. It's so scary. You know, 24 hours a day, I bet. So, so what I started doing, and, and you know, I'm not sure if I'm the only one in this in this boat where I'm the only one that's kind of concerned about having, of Google having all this data. But um, I'd like to tell the audience about some of the applications that I'm using now in lieu of what I was using before. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about why. And uh, Richard, you can chime in and talk to us about what you use with iOS or sure. what you might have migrated to. Um, so I, I left Chrome completely just because, one, Chrome has always been a, a huge battery drain, um, regardless of what OS I've used it on. Windows, Mac OS, or my Android phone, Chrome, not because of its inherent um, you know, inefficiency, but just because it's doing so much for you. Constantly synchronizing your, back, uh, your bookmarks in the background, your web history in the background, remembering all your passwords and saving all those and kind of auto-filling that. It, it's a lot that it's doing. So I switched from Chrome to Opera. Um, very simple, very straightforward, really fast. Um, I haven't had an issue with it on Android so far. Good. On my Mac, I've gone back to using Safari. Mm. Um, I've stopped using Google Maps any any chance I can. So what that means is, you know, um, traditional GPS systems don't have uh, up-to-date information like Google Maps does. So mm. when I need to do a search, I'll do it on Google Maps. But when I need to navigate somewhere, I'll always use my own uh, navigation system. Uh, and now I've started using uh, Here Maps, which was originally made by Nokia um, yeah. and was sold off to some German uh, auto conglomerate. Uh, it works really well. And it's considerably, cons- like, I mean, I'm talking maybe 200% better on your battery than uh, Google Maps is. 
Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, and Richard, I'm not sure if you know this, but Google Maps, the way it provides traffic is whenever you're using Maps, it's located, it's, it's reporting your location back to Google servers. Yeah, yeah, I did know that, yeah. So it's constant, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That impact on your battery life is absolutely humongous. Yeah. Um, so but not that's only a, that's are a, That's you, how it can give you sort of... Uh, um, constant traffic flow information and things right, like that because so many people are using and they're sending their location information back to google yeah right and um so so i stopped using that not because I, I didn't want them to track me but just because i don't want there to be a historical record of of where i've been traveling and when i've been traveling there yeah i just don't I, if that means that i have to stop using google maps for it i'll stop Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll be, I'll still be able to search businesses and whatnot. And if they want to keep a history of that anonymously, they're welcome to do that. But I, I'm done. I'm done with that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could migrate over from Gmail right now, but I'm so, so, so immersed into that ecosystem that I'm not even going to bother trying. Yeah. I, th- I thought of that as well. I thought the number of websites I must have used that as a sign up for, um, you know, it, it would take so long to un- untangle all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and even, and even even if you put even if you've got your email going through to say Apple's mail client, it's still running through Google servers, isn't oh it? Yeah. So you you know you know better off. You would literally need to go into everything that you've ever used and swap your email address to say a uh, you know a, a dot me uh, uh, me dot com or iCloud dot com or or some other um, service. So. That's a lot of work. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to step away a little bit from being, you know, the paranoid person and saying, you know, they're going to take all this information, they're going to do bad things with it. Um, it's also a little bit, a little bit about convenience and, you know, an ecosystem at, at large. You know, yep. um, for those of uh, us who are very invested into the iOS or the Apple ecosystem, we have a tough time breaking away to Android, even though we realize that, you know, certain functionality that we need will be better on, on Android. Um, mm-hmm. And that's because we're so invested into an ecosystem and it's so, so well tied up together that it makes it difficult for you to make that decision. Mm. Right. With Google, it's the same thing for all of us who've purchased Android apps, have a Chromecast, have a, an, a, a, sorry, a, an Android TV or have an Android tablet or a Chromebook. You know, it's absolutely everywhere. It's difficult to break away from that, from that, um, from that circle and that cycle. But if you want to be that person who is not necessarily tracked everywhere, I think it's better for us to diversify. And Android makes that possible by offering a lot more open source opportunities for developers and for us to be able to get a, a lot of different applications that offer the same functionality. Hmm. So so if, if you're with me uh, on the little bit of a timid approach, I say, let's 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 take a step back. And maybe try to reevaluate what we're doing. And this would not have been possible without Google uh, making all this information available for us to see. So, uh, you know, kudos to Google. I really appreciate them saying, look, this is your data and you have access to it. So for those of you who are interested in deleting this, you can you can absolutely delete everything off of uh, off your history. Um, obviously, y- you can stop uh, recording what you've recorded now, and if you delete what's whatever has been held and stored in the past, uh, there are some repercussions where you might not have accurate responses uh, for your search histories or your location. Um, like where if you're used to typing in a particular address into Google Maps and it kind of pulls it up based on your history, it won't do that anymore. 
Yeah. Um, so you do have control over it. So I, I, I do applaud Google on that. But um, so you're not tempted to nuke, nuke yours then? I'm not sure, Richard. I, I'm really deciding. I, I yeah. haven't made up my mind completely yet. Um, uh, uh, one of the when we when we sort of initially mentioned it a little bit, my my thoughts going forwards was, well, I'll see how I can untangle myself from it a little bit, and then at least if I don't keep feeding the beast, then <laughs> you know they're not going to get more recent information out of us, and what information they've got is historical. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you there, and I'm I'm just like. <laughs> If you can't tell by the fact that I'm almost at a loss for words here, um, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. I am genuinely uncomfortable with the position that we're going in. And I understand that it's it's to help Google build out their systems to be better. But I am uncomfortable with this much surveillance. I was not okay with, uh, you know, the whole Snowden kind of blow up. And I'm not okay with this. Yeah. Um, where it'll lead to in the future, only time will tell. And whether or not there will be a revolt and some backlash, again, only time will tell. But I thought it was our duty um, as tech tech hosts and a podcast host to at least make everyone aware. Yeah. So, I mean, that was one of the things that, going back to the earlier conversation at WWDC, is that Apple firmly um, committed again to, to their stance of, about your privacy. Um, and whereas, you know, a lot of the Google search stuff is being done on servers and being stored there, mm-hmm. Apple are trying to do as much on-device um, searching and, and AI stuff as possible without it going uh, off your device. So, um, and, and you know what? I, I'm going to take again, once again, take a moment and, and a big a big applause for Apple there. I appreciate what they're doing there, and I think that is the best approach. Yeah. Um, even though if it means that you're going to have to take a bit of a hit um, on processing uh, times mm. and speeds uh, on your device rather than having to rely on Google servers, yeah. you know, I think it's it's too often now that developers are just saying, oh, no, screw it. We, we don't want it to happen on the device. We'll just do it on our servers and relay the information back. Yeah. Um, I think... I think that is something that's led to um, Android phone manufacturers and device manufacturers say, well, let's, let's put all the, all the hardware in there that we possibly can for an affordable price um, because, uh, well, 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 everything's going to be happening offline anyways or off, off your phone anyways, so mm. we don't need that. But with Apple, I think the name of the game is efficiency. Mm. Right, They're, they they keep it closed. They keep their system closed because they need to have that consistency. That they they want to have these certain principles followed throughout their ecosystem. And I I think that's great. I think in that sense, Apple is much more evolved than majority of the other manufacturers and tech companies out there. Yep. Um, okay, I think I think we beat that that topic to death. Yep. Um, I really, really quickly want to take two minutes and talk to you about some custom versions of the Galaxy S7 and talk to you a little bit about how Samsung is doing with uh, their uh, Galaxy S7 and Galaxy S7 Edge devices. Um, so for those of you who are fans of Batman and the Dark Knight, um, Samsung has put out a custom S7 Edge edition, uh, the Batman, or I think they're, they're calling it the Injustice edition. Um, they're making very limited numbers of these, and basically what it is is an all-black um, S7 and S7 Edge, or one or the other, I can't remember which one it is. Um, but the frame is not silver, it's black, the front is black, and the back is black, and it's got a little Batman logo at the back. Um, limited production run, um, if you can find it, 
great if you're interested in it, but it's pricey. I think the last time Richard and I checked, it was going for about $3,000 on eBay, um, and that's Canadian. So, I mean, on that note, if you can, if you're in the UK, uh, hey, the, the the pound is dropping somehow. If you can kind of work that out, um, that'll work out to your favor. Um, another one of the editions that I want to talk to you about is the Olympic edition. Samsung actually just announced today that they're doing a custom uh, Olympic edition phone, and that's basically got some of the Olympic logos at the back. But on a bigger note, what I wanted to say was that Samsung has aggressively been marketing these devices, and they're doing particularly well with them, and I'm very happy about that. I think, I think Samsung has finally taken customer feedback uh, into account and they've kind of started saying, okay, well, now we've we've listened to you. Here are the features that you wanted. Now buy the device. Yeah, I mean, the S7 is, is a very solid uh, device. And, you know, if, I don't know. I, 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 never, I never went to Samsung at any, at any stage whilst I was on Android because there's something about it. I don't know if, the, if it's the software or what, but it just never really appealed to me. But having said that, I would quite happily recommend them to somebody who wanted an Android device. So they, yeah. they, they, and and now they've they always made good phones, but I think they really they've really nailed it quite well with the S7. And and there's a lot of um, iPhone users who are clamoring to have the sort of waterproof feature on the iPhone. So. Mm-hmm. They're doing things that are right. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. Um, you know, it's a great device. Um, and I, I think it's the first time a lot of Android enthusiasts have had a device that they can be content with. You know, we've always mm. had the argument that, you know, battery life isn't great or the camera hasn't been up to par or this, the, you know, the user interface has been laggy. Um, I think I think with this time around, Samsung has really, really hit, hit, the, hit it right on the nail. Mm. Um, and they've they've really kind of worked on the battery life. They've the camera performance is absolutely amazing. Um, the screen tech, I mean, th- there's no reason to even discuss that. Samsung has always been ahead of the game there. Mm. Um, so I, I think I think this is the time that Android uh, users salivate. But the big issue is the price, in my opinion. Um, I think mm. I think it's only time uh, that that the prices will drop, and then I would say yes, hundred percent, go out and buy it. But at a price of a thousand dollars Canadian, um, all right, um, I can't recommend it just yet. I don't understand why they price it so high with the with the sheer scale of of how many they they sell. It's just you know why it is, Richard. Um, people are you know crazy over tech right now, and I think mm. they're trying to take advantage of that because I think there will be a time where people will sit down and try to figure out how much they're spending on tech every year, yeah. and I can almost guarantee it that it's gone over 500 there's a 500 percent increase over the last decade at the Mm. very least oh yeah yeah definitely Um, so i think eventually people will start realizing that you know it's maybe might not be worth to spend that much more on incremental updates and i think i think you know what i think people are realizing that now yeah um I think we were going to talk about uh pebble smartwatches and their new um new kind of um product line but what do you say richard Perhaps we should do a full new episode for smartwatches and maybe some new recommendations for the next episode. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think that we talked a lot about a lot of heavy discussion about security, you know, um, software and whatnot. Uh, we talked about Google I/O at the last conference, at the last uh, podcast. So I think it's only fitting that we talk about Apple's um, conference this time around. And we'll leave the we'll leave the smartwatches for the next episode. Yeah, that's a good idea. Awesome. Well. Um, 
Richard, as always, thank you very, very much for the friendly banter. Um, I hope the audience enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for the audience uh, for joining us today. Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and the topics that we discussed today. Join us next time and we'll be talking about uh, some smartwatches, uh, perhaps some recommendations for those looking to get different functionality of their smartwatches. Uh, but that'll do us for, for this episode. Thank you once again and take care. Bye.